Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. You're listening to week 22 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to try and see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. His name is David Long. And he is Craig Fields. And we've got a cracking show for you this week with our usual box office rundown, news, DVD, DVD releases, and our new feature, recommendations from streaming services. And hopefully we'll have a better name for that by the time we get to that (laughs) segment. David, uh, what films will we be reviewing on this week's show? So, Craig, on this week's show, we'll be reviewing First Man. I've been incredibly excited to see this film, and Damien Chazelle returns with Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy. Along with that, we'll be taking a look at Venom. Uh, The symbiote from space takes on Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, and Riz Ahmed in this Sony Pictures movie. As well as those, we'll be delving into Johnny English Strikes Again with Rowan Atkinson reprising the role with his partner in spying Ben Miller. And it has a little bit of added Emma Thompson involved there as well. Uh, we'll also take on The Hate You Give, the novel adaption starring Amanda Sternberg in this hard-hitting, poignant drama. We'll then move on to Bad Times at the El Royale. And this has a superb cast, which includes Jeff Bridges, Cynthia Erivo, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth and Lewis Pullman. Next up after that is Smallfoot. This children's action adventure film features the voices of Channing Tatum, James Corden and Zendaya. And finally, we'll take a look at the comedy Night School starring Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish. David, how have you been this week? You've had a busy week? Very busy week. Um, Some dental issues. Um, A front tooth which was chipped in the past has become chipped again, so I look somewhat like a hillbilly. Um, <laughs> which is unfortunate. I mean, um, you don't look that bad. You don't. Well, I don't know. The bald head, the beard, and a chipped tooth. I I don't look well. You need a banjo as well. Uh, well, I, I can't play the banjo. Although <laughs> you you can play the ukulele, can't you? A, a little bit. I not, did not fluently. I do enjoy your ukulele playing. Uh, anyway, yes, like you said, we have got a great show this week. Um, and First Man, the film that I've been waiting months and months to see. We finally saw it. We've seen it in IMAX and we'll be letting you know exactly what we thought of it very shortly. I, I can confirm David was like a broken man when he exited the cinema after seeing that film. We, we will delve into this more later, but I, I, I felt harrowed after the film. Mm. Um, it's a very powerful film and I'm, I'm looking forward to reviewing it. Yeah, me too. Well... I'd just like to to add, um, just before we get to November, that November is going to be a very busy month for both of us. David is actually on holiday. Uh, where are you going? I'm going to Gran Canaria uh, at the end of November to work on my suntan. Mm, lovely. I'll be heading out to Nepal for two weeks uh, from November the 10th until around about November the 25th. So uh, we are going to be um, closed for business um, for a couple of weeks. And then mm. hopefully when we return, we'll have some wonderful news to announce to all of you. Um, neither of us will have babies. That's not the news we're going to be announcing. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> it just sounds like we're going to be announcing some special yeah. news. Wonderful at- news. Uh, yeah, D- David, and tr- David and Craig are having children. No, we're not. <laughs> There's none of that. That's that's not happening. No. <laughs> it's going to be news regarding the podcast, um, mm. and it's going to be very exciting news. And following on from last week's show, we had a wonderful email from Paul, and I, I didn't give you a good enough answer, Paul, um, for a film that I thought stood alone within a sequel or a tr- or a trilogy. 
Uh, and now I've had some time to think about it. I've, I've got an answer for you. 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was brought to the cinema in 1968. It was an adaption of Arthur C. Clarke's novel and it had one sequel, 2010, The Year We Make Contact. And there were four novels within that saga, but these two films were the only ones that were made uh, as adaptions to the, to the cinema. And without a doubt, 2001 A Space Odyssey was the better of the two films. It stood alone, in my opinion, and it's, and it's also one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, Stanley Kubrick directed it, and I think it inspires a lot of other films um, going forward into the future, one of which was Interstellar, directed by Nolan. This is one of our favourite films. Uh, I mm. think you'd agree with that. Um, yeah. Really, really great film. But it inspired another film as well, which I am going to talk about later on in the show during our video streaming services segment um and i think it will be worth you guys watching 2001 space odyssey if you haven't seen it mm. but also the films that we're going to recommend later on anyway shall we move on to the box office rundown yes let's do that well actually no l let me just quickly say something about interstellar so this was a film that craig really wanted me to see and he kept telling me to see it and kept telling me to see it and i kept putting it off because it, it just didn't look like the kind of film that i would enjoy i'm not a huge sci-fi fan but it is an incredible film um the way it's shot what nolan does uh, particularly like in most of his films like inception and dunkirk his analysis of time and what time means to us as human beings in this film is fascinating the science all holds up as well we've spoke a lot about the science within mm -hmm. the film um, and it's a revolutionary film and it's a film that i think you could watch in 20 30 years time and still be amazed um by the by the effects in it christopher nolan's a fantastic director so if you like dunkirk if you liked inception interstellar is a masterpiece and it is well worth checking out Yep, completely agree with you on that. Now we shall head on over. Now we shall head over to the box office rundown. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's time for the box office rundown for the weekend of October the 5th to the 7th, 2018. David, kick us off at number 10, please. At number 10, we have The Incredibles 2. It took another 200,000 at the weekend, uh, which gives it a total gross now of 55.4 million. And it's been in the box office for 13 weeks. It's brilliant. <laughs> simply put yes it is brilliant uh, in at number nine we have the wife it took two hundred thousand pounds at the weekend it's taken nine hundred thousand pounds in gross profit and it's been in the box office oh the box office sorry for two weeks um we both really really loved this film especially the performances within the film as well from mm. glenn close i i do you know what looking at those numbers that that is disappointing and i think it it deserves to take more money the, the problem is, is it, it's not a very exciting film and it's not a film that's going to attract everyone to see it but it is a film that I would thoroughly recommend because the the acting from Glenn Close and the other uh, lead actors in that film is is different level uh, and Glenn Close um, will receive an Oscar nomination for Best Actress and she has a very good chance of winning it. Six times nominated, never won before, so I wish her the best of luck. And at number eight, we have The Nun, uh, which also took £200,000 at the weekend, bit of a bit of an ongoing theme here, uh, with a gross profit of £11.1 and it's been in the box office for five weeks. Disappointing for me, but um, 
hugely popular. It's done very well in the box office. Um, and it paves the way for The Conjuring 3, which I announced in news last week is going to be made, but without the input of James Wan. Yeah. In at number seven, we have Crazy Rich Asians taking £300,000 at the weekend. It's grossed uh, £5.4 million in profit, and it's been in the box office for four weeks. Uh, both of us enjoyed this film. Um, it's, it's doing quite well, actually, and, and uh, I think it might remain in the box office for maybe a couple more weekends. Yes. And above that, at number six, we have a simple favour that took half a million pound at the weekend. Uh, it's grossed four point five million, and it's been in the box office for three weeks. Um, a confused film, um, a number of different genres that individually work very well, but when they're put together as a as a as an overall film, uh, I thought it it, it didn't work. Um, it was enjoyable, but at the same time, confused. In at number five, we have Night School. It's taken £900,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £3.2 million and it's been in the box office for two weeks and we're reviewing it on this week's show. Yes, we are indeed. Above that at number four, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Uh, it took £900,000 at the weekend. Uh, it's grossed a total profit of £6.8 and it's been in the box office for three weeks. We reviewed this last week. Me and Craig argued about the rating of it being a 12A and who it was suitable for. Um, as always, we'd love to know your opinions on that. Um, I thought it was uh, a good film, uh, very enjoyable, but much, much darker than I was expecting. And I totally understand why it's been rated as 12A. <laughs> uh, in at number three, we have Johnny English Strikes Again, taking £4 million at the weekend with a gross profit of £4.6 million. And it's been in the box office for one week. And we're going to be taking a look at this on this week's show. Looking forward to that. Above that and number two, we have The Extraordinary, A Star Is Born. It's taken £4.1 million with a gross profit of £4.1 million. Uh, it's been in the box office for one week. This is a film that is selling out uh, screens, and we're not just talking about on evenings. We're talking screening after screening after screening is being sold out, and rightly so. Um, it's it's a most incredible film. I've only seen it once. I think Craig's already seen it three times. Yep. I want to see it again. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and I've been listening to the soundtrack at home as well. The more you listen to it, the more the music grows on you. Um, just superb. Go and see it. Go Go, and see 100% it. Yeah. worth it. No doubt. In at number one, we have Venom taking £5.7 million at the weekend. It's grossed £8 million overall, and it's been in the box office for one week. And we're going to be reviewing it on this episode. Um, it's going to be an interesting review, this one. Certainly. It is indeed. So, David, if you'd like to give us the usual box office rundown from 10 to 1. Yes. So, at number 10, we have The Incredibles 2. At 9, The Wife. At 8, It Is The Nun. 7, Crazy Rich Asians. 6, A Simple Favour. At five, it's night school. Four, the house with a clock in its walls. At three, Johnny English. At two, the must see, a star is born. And at the top of the pile, we have, at number one, Venom. So our first review of this episode is First Man. Uh, Neil Armstrong, played by Ryan Gosling, is hurtled into the upper atmosphere in an opening sequence that puts us in the seat. It sees Armstrong go from test pilot in 1962, then working his way up as commander on the Gemini and Apollo missions to become the first man on the moon. Uh, the film reframes our thoughts on the sacrifice and advancements that were made in order for man to achieve their first steps on the moon. But this film isn't entirely uh, a film about space. 
and the missions that get us there. It's about Neil and his family and about the isolation and the grief and the emotional detachment that comes with the death of their child. Um, and it's Claire Foy, um, who plays Armstrong's wife, that is the glue that holds the emotional element of this film together. She is the bond between Neil, uh, the work and and his family. Um, and I'm going to say straight away, I, I love this film. I thought it was an absolute masterpiece from Chazelle, who has brought us Whiplash, La La Land and, and now First Man. Um, let's take a li- listen to a clip of Neil, who is currently being interviewed uh, to come and work for NASA. I don't know what space exploration will uncover, but I don't think it'll be exploration just for the sake of exploration. I think it'll be more the fact that it allows us to see things that maybe we should have seen a long time ago, but just haven't been able to until now. Does anyone have anything else? Yeah. Neil, I was sorry to hear about your daughter. I'm sorry, is there a question? Um. What I, what I mean is, uh, do you think it will have an effect? I think it would be unreasonable to assume that it wouldn't have some effect. So I think that's an absolutely fantastic clip, and it's a, a, a brilliant part of the film where Neil Armstrong's applying for this job at NASA, um, and <laughs> this guy sort of states to him, you know, uh, I'm sorry about your daughter, and he's just like... Is there any questions? And and it shows Ryan Gosling at his best. The way he portrays Neil Armstrong is fantastic. Um, I've been so excited for this film. Um, and I went in expecting something incredible. Um, and I wasn't disappointed with what I got. I have never seen a film that immerses you so much into the screen. You know, the way Chazelle has basically put us in space um, with these incredibly intimate, claustrophobic, and I would describe revolutionary um, cinematic scenes. You know, one critic said that this has done for space movies what Saving Private Ryan did for war movies. You know, Saving Private Ryan starts with that, you know, incredible scene. And that's exactly what First Man does. We are literally thrown into the cockpit with Neil Armstrong. Um, And a quote from uh, Chazelle when he's asked about... um, this film, you know, he talks about where his inspiration came from. And he said, yes, we looked at certain space films, but we also looked at war movies, submarine movies, tank movies, movies in trenches, movies in closed spaces, old horror movies, just finding ways to communicate the fear and the uncertainty of that dark void of space. And he does that superbly. It's it's an emotional film. You know, we see Neil struggling with the loss of his child, but also the loss of friends the loss of other astronauts who sacrifice themselves for this mission. You know, space travel is incredibly dangerous. And in other space movies, we often get a very smooth and enjoyable journey when in space. In this, we don't. We are literally immersed in the cockpit. And having been to um, uh, Kennedy Space Center in Florida and having seen some of these spacecrafts, it is unbelievable how small they were, how claustrophobic they were. And fundamentally how unsafe they were men sitting on the top of millions of pounds of jet fuel and i think ryan gosling is superb claire foy is brilliant 
Uh, and the way this is shot throughout the film from 16 millimeter to 35 millimeter and then 70 millimeter as well um, is very powerful. And I know Craig wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the cinematographer um, uh, Sandgren, he did a an amazing job working with, with Chazelle on this film and they wanted to get a real intimate feel as to what it is like being in the in the cockpit of of the plane that um, Armstrong is flying at the beginning of the film, um, and then and then also in the cockpit of of the actual space uh, crafts that they're flying, and the way they do that is is by using sixteen millimeter film, which is a much smaller um, sized film in comparison to obviously thirty five and 77, uh, 70 millimeter IMAX, and the reason why they do that is because it's so grainy, it's mm. it's it's so soft in focus as well that it really builds this character um, with the actual character who you're in the cockpit with, and yeah. and it really isolates you and mm. and puts you in the seat of that chair where they're sitting, and they do a fantastic mm. job with that. But then they move to thirty five millimeter film, um, which is slightly sharper. It's it still has the grain and has the the aesthetic pleasing feel feel of the actual um film but allows you to to get a better understanding of those wider landscape mm. shots and the actual scale of these of these crafts as well as you say they're, they're gigantic mm. but then the 70 millimeter film the imax is pristine it's beautiful it really puts into perspective mm. what the moon is going to be like mm. and when they went to the moon they took Hasselblad cameras and these are the medium format film cameras which are you know slightly either bigger or slightly smaller than imax i can't quite remember but they are really high quality film and and you know it 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 tied everything together but what what the way that they've done this and the reason why they did this is is to allow the story to move through the eras as well mm. it sets the scene um as well as the outfit set the scene it, it allows you to place yourself within that era of when this film was made and and i think they you know everything is done for for yeah. a reason from they've taken from the script and you know the reason why they shot on these things is because it adds mm. to the story. It's not just done to be aesthetically pleasing. Um, and I, I, I love that about mm. this film. Really, really loved it. I, th I think one thing that's important to note about this film is fundamentally it is actually not a film about space at all. So if you're, if you're going to the cinema expecting, you know, a story about the Apollo 11 mission and, and a sort of triumphant, uplifting film about man's victory and landing on the moon, you're not going to get that. This is a biopic and it's a gritty biopic. And the way um, it was shot on the 16mm, it feels very much like a documentary. Some of the launch scenes... Almost, it almost feels like Ryan Gosling's holding a camera. It's very shaky. It's, you know, it's claustrophobic. It made me feel slightly unwell in the cinema, and and it actually scared me, you know, to see these machines and how how you know there is literally some nuts and some bolts and some metal between them but, and but space. Yeah, and 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 they actually physically show you that. Mm. that you know, there's close ups on the nuts and the bolts and them vibrating yeah. furiously as the, as the craft's about and to the, take and off. And when it moves to the 35 for the launching, and finally, briefly, the 70 millimeter IMAX. You know. Everyone has seen that uh, original footage of Neil Armstrong walking down the ladder and some of the stuff on the moon. But t the way Chazelle gives us the moon and the clarity and the peat and the silence on the moon—it—it's it, a vision. It's a visual masterpiece. Um, it it does somehow though manage to be overwhelming and slightly underwhelming at the same time. And I think that's simply because Chazelle has been so loyal to Neil Armstrong's character. He was a very 
isolated man, a very in, uh, introverted man, uh, and, and a man who really struggled with the loss of his daughter. He worked incredibly hard on this film, reading biographies and also working very closely with Neil Armstrong's um, children who endorse the film and think it's brilliant. Um, I've seen this once and I am desperate to see it again because I think it's a film that requires more than one viewing. Um, overall, uh, for me... Um, this is 100% worth it. And it, and, and if you're going to see it, um, see it in IMAX. Yeah, I I really feel this film is is 100% worth it. I, I As you said, it does manage to underwhelm you in some respects. And I think that might have something to do with the likability or the the way that you connect with Neil Armstrong in mm. this film. But that's not saying it's <clears throat> it's bad in any way, shape or no. form. It's It did the job that it was supposed to do. It is supposed to do that, yeah. I think. Um, and, and as you say, it should be seen in IMAX just to get the full width of the, mm. the, the, the screen, the, the full width of the sound immersing you in the way that it the, the ships take off. And it... Wow, it is it is a masterpiece. It really is. Do you think it's going to win an Oscar? Um, so, I mean, this has been a long-running uh, discussion. I think it's between A Star is Born and First Man. And in terms of... I mean, it's going to be nominated. I think it's going to be nominated for a lot of Oscars. Mm. Will it win Best Picture? The problem it has is because it's so honest, and Chazelle deserves credit for being so honest to Neil Armstrong's story, that it, it's not a feel-good factor film. So I think it might struggle in Best Picture. But for me, in terms of Best Director, uh, Chazelle uh, deserves to pick up uh, yet another Oscar. Three films, all of which have been nominated. Um, I, I really think this is worth seeing in the cinema. Yeah, me too. So that's our review of First Man. So our next review of this episode, week 22, is Venom. Uh, so Venom sees investigative journalist, TV blogger Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy, investigate science billionaire Carlton Drake, who's played by Riz Ahmed. Upon doing so, Hardy is fused with this symbiotic alien, giving him abilities and also Venom. Uh, the film presents us with a very different Eddie Brock to the ones that I've read and seen before. He's actually a successful person. He's engaged to Anne Weying, who is played by Michelle Williams, and they're happy. Um, meanwhile, Riz Ahmed comes into possession of these blobs. Um, <laughs> blobs. <laughs> these these strange alien symbiotic creatures that actually need a human host to survive. And they begin these tests and many, many people die. Let's mm. take a listen to a clip. I've always believed uh -huh. that space exploration is crucial in our quest to cure everything that ails us here on Earth. So I have to ask, how does that work? You know, exactly the Life Foundation thing. How does it, how does it, uh, I don't know, how does it go about, say, testing pharmaceuticals? Eddie? We're talking about the rocket here. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking about the allegations. It says that you recruit the most vulnerable of us to volunteer for tests mm. that more often than not end up killing people. Uh, Eddie. Oh, okay, they never got We're to done. out. Thank you very yeah. much. We're not finished. Yes, you are, Mr. Brock. Is that a threat? Have a nice life. So those of you who are familiar with uh, Eddie Brock and the Venom character, um, you will know that this character has uh, a character arc where he will have a downfall at one point or another and becomes attached to the symbiotic creature and, and Venom. Um, this plays out very differently to the way the comics play out. It plays out very differently to how other films have portrayed Venom. And in my opinion, I feel like it did a rather poor job of, of doing this. Um, 
the interactions between Hardy and Venom, you know, there are some humour there. And the, but the best part of the humour comes at the very end of the film. Mm. And, and, and I just really didn't enjoy this film. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, for me, this was a bit of a noisy and chaotic mess. Um, I, I don't know whether it was my particular screening and they'd like had had the volume up higher than normal, but this film was just so loud and loud in quite an un- unpleasant way. And some of the action scenes were almost too quick and too chaotic mm. for you to really understand what was going on. You know, Craig knows that I'm a huge fan of Tom Hardy. I think he's a phenomenal actor and... I think his performance in this is solid, but it's a little bit confused. And I don't think that's his fault. I think it's the script. I think it's the direction he's had. And overall, the, the film doesn't really know why it's been made or what it's what it's doing. And, and we know why it's been made. Oh, yes, absolutely. For, 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 to make money. Um, and it's simple as that. But if you make a film simply because you want to make money, but you have no real plot or sense of theme or purpose, then it it becomes a bit of a mess. And that's what we get here. Mm. And like Craig said, there is a scene right at the end that is fantastic. Um, And the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, I really enjoyed. It's just a shame that the previous hour and a half is, is pretty poor. Um, But the tragic thing is, is that brilliant scene at the end is actually in the trailer. Um, And I can't remember a film or I can't remember having ever seen a film where the ending is in a trailer. You know, it's it's bizarre because, you know, the, the people who make trailers have looked at it and seen, well, this is the best bit of the film. We better put it in the trailer. And it's just quite bizarre that it's mm. th- that it's the end. But but speaking upon the trailer, they sold this film as being something that was going to be very dark um, mm. and looked like it was going to be an 18 rating at least or an R rating in America. Um, however, it was always going to be a 12A mm. Until it was given a 15 <laughs> and and you just alienate a whole audience of people mm. that go to see Marvel films. Mm. But that then leads on to my next point, which is this isn't a Marvel film. This is mm. a Sony film. Um, and it's only in association with Marvel because it's a Marvel character that they had mm. written in the comics. But Sony own the rights to Venom, to so- to Spider-Man and and the whole Spider- Spider-Verse as well. Um Marvel would never make a Venom film, ever, mm. stand alone. It always would work with Spider-Man yeah. being involved. That is the story of Venom and how mm. he came to be is, 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 is with Spider-Man. And it's just Sony Pictures wanting to commercialise and make money on, on a character that they own. And um, I'm glad that Marvel didn't pick this one up. And, I'm, you know, it might have worked in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I, if it was anything like this film, it, it wouldn't work in the Marvel mm. Cinematic Universe. Um, it's tonally a confused mess. It's it's boring to begin with. Mm. It's bad in the middle where the action is. The action isn't great. And then the ending is okay. The humour picks up a little bit, mm. but the ending's just rushed. And also, I think the love element of this film is, one, unnecessary, uh, two, yeah. confusing, and three, badly thought out. Um, I don't want to go too much into the plot, but, you know, Tom Hardy's character is engaged and things things happen very quickly and it, it's just a clunky, confused mess, in my opinion. Um, I think the last 25, of the minutes, last 25 minutes of the film shows the potential it had, but for me, um, no, not a good film at all. So, Craig, um, if you're ready, I'm going to ask you the question. Venom, 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 venom. <laughs> Is it worth it? Uh, no. 
no, I totally agree as well. Uh, and also, I think, how can you sum this film up? Well, Eminem's new album, Kamikaze, I think it's a brilliant album. One of the worst songs on that album, I think, is Venom. And that's at the end of this film. Um, and I just think that sums it up, yeah. really, for me. Uh, disappointing. No reflection on Tom Hardy's ability as an actor. Uh, but a or, bit of an, or, or Michelle Williams. Either. Or Michelle Williams. But just an unnecessary film yeah. and disappointing. Yeah. Uh, we do have some correspondence to this film. Uh, our first one comes from Sam. She emails in and says, Firstly... I enjoyed the film. I'm not a Marvel fanatic, so I can't compare it to the other films. Uh, this wouldn't usually be my type of film to watch as the adverts seemed quite jumpy, but I was quick to realise it had some comedy which I liked. I enjoyed how the backstory was thoroughly told. I wasn't a fan of the love interest as I felt they showed the relationship with Eddie as perfect and then for it all to be over was a bit odd to me. Mm. I felt that they should have showed some cracks in the relationship. I thought that Tom Hardy's role was brilliant, he acted the part well, and although the American accent took a while to get used to, I thought it was believable. The relationships between Venom and Eddie was really funny. Even though I enjoyed to see the backstory, I felt that the action scene and climax of the film happened all too quickly. I would have liked to have seen more drama throughout the film, and more of Venom and Eddie working together rather than just them... or just Eddie being infected and ill for a while. Mm. Thanks very much, Sam. Uh... Brilliant email, Sam. Um, and and we pretty much agree with everything that you say there, I think. And, and you know, as somebody who's not a Marvel fanatic, you wouldn't have known this was a Sony picture film. And if you had seen some of the other Marvel films, you would have been really disappointed with this film, thinking mm. that it was a Marvel film. Um, we also have another, e uh, well, another message. This one's from Ashley and he comes from Facebook. Uh, David, do you want to read this one out? Yeah, am I going to read the whole thing? Yeah, go for it. So Ashley writes, hey guys, went to see Venom recently and I have to say it was disappointing. In my opinion, you'd be better off going into this film assuming that it's a bad sci-fi comedy. Venom as a character is pretty cool, but they should have done this better. Venom's personality is confusing. One minute Venom wants to eat and kill everything, the next he has become best friends with Eddie Brock, his human host, and it undermined the scary side of the film and the character. Uh, the best part of the of Venom was uh, when he came out of Eddie Brock to talk face to face. That was interesting. Other than that, Venom had no fear factor. Uh, Ashley says the humour was easily forgettable. Sony obviously attempted to match the comedy element in the recent Marvel films, but flopped. Another odd thing about this film is that none of the characters actually seem to be shocked at the existence of Venom. That's a very good point. Mm. Uh, they were just a little scared of his presence, understandably, when Venom threatens to eat them in a sarcastic <laughs> manner. Uh, that was completely unrealistic and left me feeling like the film uh, lacked the the real essence of what the character should have been. Uh, then the change of direction of Venom, good versus bad, please stick to one. It did not make sense. Um, Ashley then writes, really enjoying the podcast, makes my journey to and from work much more entertaining. Uh, well, thank you very much for that message, uh, Ashley. And I, I think uh, you summarised it brilliantly, yeah, probably yeah. better than we, than we did. <laughs> well, Sam Sam and Ashley, both fantastic. And, and Sam as well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you both for your, your, your correspondence with us. Both brilliant emails and messages. Uh, and both of you are going to be getting two cinema tickets to go into any cine world in the UK. Uh, they last for six months. You can even go and take them to IMAX uh, cinemas. Uh, we do have one message as well that came from Twitter about uh, Venom. This comes from Jeffro uh, earlier on today. He, doesn't, he said he didn't know if he was too late to send this in, but he said he saw Venom on Wednesday, thought it was all right, but a bit messy. Fight scenes were sketchy. Couldn't really see what was going on. Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed were very good, though. It could have, could have and should have been much better. And I think 
everyone who's seen this and mm. sent messages in have pretty much hit the nail on the head and, and said exactly the same thing as us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it really does go to show that it's not a great film, but it is number one in the box office this weekend. And I think there's a reason for that is because people were looking for one film that they saw in the trailer mm. to get another word of mouth. I think next weekend, this is not going to be up there. Um, in the number one, two or three points, it might be a bit further down in the box office. What do you think? Out or in? It'll be in the box office, but uh, I don't think it'll be at the top. Star is Born will be top next week yeah, by an absolute well, country I hope mile. So. I hope so. Um, so that was our review of Venom. Uh, we're going to head on over to our next review. You're listening to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. Both Craig and David are Cineworld Unlimited cardholders. For just £17.90 a month, see any film, anytime, as many times as you like. Enjoy 10% off snacks and drinks, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases, and unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, Las Saguanas, La Tasca and Belga. The Oscars are fastly approaching and there's no better time to become unlimited. With films like First Man, A Star Is Born, Venom and Aquaman, now is a good time to join. And you can get £10 off your first month subscription. Just use the code ISITSWORTHIT. That's all one word. So, our next review is Johnny English Strikes Again. Um, this sees Mr Bean, no, sorry, Ryan Atkinson reprise his role <laughs> as Johnny English. Uh, English is currently working in a private school teaching children the art of spying, but is actually supposed to be teaching them the actual curriculum. Mm. Um, but it is when all of the identities of all the current active spies are leaked, the PM requests for retired spies to be called up and help find out what was going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go straight off the bat. I thought this was a bit of a letdown, actually. Um, I was, but but I was sat in an empty cinema. Um, there was only one family of um, five sat in front of me, and a man sat behind uh, or sat in front of me. And I mean, the 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 laughs came, but because there wasn't such a big audience, I think that had a massive effect on how I have viewed this film. Um, the set pieces within the film were good. Um, there were some comedic moments where I did laugh. However, they felt that they could be individual pieces that, that could stand perfectly alone um, without being in a, a massive film. Um, and I think the plot as well just didn't work for me either. There was something very off about this film. Um, you'll go. <laughs> so my uh, opinion on this film is very, very different to Craig's. And we actually had a bit of an argument uh, after I left the cinema because we saw it separately. I really enjoyed this film and I thought it was very, very good. Um, I don't think it's as good as the first Johnny English, but um, sequels rarely are. Uh, I think it's vastly superior to um, the second Johnny English. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought Rowan Atkinson was on good form. I know Craig says he's basically Mr. Bean. There is a Mr. Bean element, but I think the character's more complex than that. Um, I saw it in a, in, a, in a very full cinema. There was a lot of laughing. Um and it was much, much better than I thought. I was expecting this to be a car crash. I will say one thing. The first half of the film is vastly superior to the second half. I feel like it really takes off and actually it, it peaks about 45 minutes in. And then it's a bit of a downward slope after that. Some of the CGI is a bit ropey. I mean, the plot is ludicrous. Um, 
and somewhat unbelievable. But I just think it's a very funny, feel-good and light film. It's a film that you rarely get to see, or I rarely get to see, which is something that you don't have to take seriously at all. You know, it's like it's like a modern uh, spoof. It had a feel of some of the sort of Naked Gun films uh, and actually plagiarised uh, some of Naked Gun two and a half. Um, so in, in that respect, I, I did find that slightly disappointing and unoriginal. But overall, I found it really, really funny and uh, I think it's, it's brilliant for families and uh, I would recommend it. So I, I I wouldn't recommend this film at all. I I honestly felt like we were led up the garden path, and and we were, <laughs> and, and and from the first film, you know that was brilliant. The first film and the second film slightly not so good, but 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 worked. But th- this is better th- than the second. Oh, I completely disagree. Oh, I think no. the second film was far superior, and 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 this film just felt like it was a Mister Bean comedy act no. that that was going on throughout the different set pieces you know the physical comedy from Rowan Atkinson is without doubt great but it's it it's different to what how it was in the first film you when you said that the character was more is more complex than Mr Bean yes but he was more complex in the first film than he was in this film i felt like he was he he'd receded back into himself and and it was more physical comedy than mm. than was in the first one and the first ha- one had more dialogue and more i don't know it just it just it had plot holes after plot holes and and the first one was such a more solid script but did do you think you went into this in podcast mode and i'm i'm going to review it or did you go in to enjoy it cuz say we weren't doing the podcast do you think your review of it would be different no i think my review would be would be the it would be the same i i think the audience definitely plays a big role mm. in 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 swaying how you look at a film and i think because you had a bigger audience in there yeah. and you had a lot of people laughing La- that, laughter is it, contagious it as well it is 100% it really does add to 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 the way that you see the film and 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 encourages you to laugh along with it I I did laugh at certain bits and I know certain bits were funny and I found them funny but I just didn't I just didn't it didn't work as an overall film for me at all so for you it's not worth it you didn't even let me ask you oh just jump go on go, on, go again <laughs> so Craig for you Johnny English strikes again is it worth it it's not worth it <laughs> for me Johnny English strikes again is worth it it's good fun it's light hearted fun Craig's taking this film far too seriously don't listen to him go and see Johnny English <laughs> I, well I have actually got a message on here as well oh here literally we go. just received it let me bring it up um Who's it from? Is it, is this from another film critic who's going to slate Johnny no, English? No, it's not. It's from somebody you bummed in today who was at the cinema when you were there. Oh, okay. Yeah, literally. I haven't even read it yet. He so. was he was on the way to see that film. Yeah. Yeah. Let me bring it up. So this actually comes from Ashley. I literally saw it pop up about an hour ago and I hadn't looked at it. But Ashley says, hey guys, saw Johnny English today. Bit of a letdown. It was a pure slapstick comedy. Nothing original. Boring plot and looks like the writers ran out of ideas and used an element of Mr. Bean to make it funny during a club dance scene. Every joke was set up 10 seconds before it happened, which made everything predictable. So there was no element of surprise in the comedy. You'll be better off waiting for this to come out on TV for a lazy Sunday afternoon at home. Or if you're stuck at home looking for something to do with your kids, go to the cinema. It will keep them occupied for a small amount of the day. And despite not having read that before i completely agree with everything he said thank you very much for your message ashley but <laughs> you are also wrong um look but don't take it so seriously it's the third johnny english film people know what johnny english is but did it was we need funny it? of course we didn't need it <laughs> we didn't need the second one 
You know, the first one was original. It was it was um, initially on the back of the Piers Brosnan James Bond films that were getting more and more stupid with things like Invisible Cars. Mm. So they thought, well, let's make a bit of a spoof and a spin-off of that. The first one was great. The second one was rubbish. And I thought the third one um, was, was much better. Uh, for me, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, please sit, keep sending us emails. No. I'd and love yeah, to hear. And send us emails. Think. Saying how much you loved it and Whoop. how this film has inspired you, um, because it, it, you know, it, it was great. You know, I saw families leaving, hugging each other, saying this was the best cinema experience they've ever had. People You're were lying. No, I I'm know not. You, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Johnny English. It's worth it. Yes, it's time for the news on week 22 and the first piece of news is Aladdin live action remake has its first trailer and I recently saw this and it wasn't really much of a trailer to be honest. It was a bit of a teaser but it does look like it's going to be quite an adventure film um, and I'm actually really looking forward to this uh, this live action film. Um, I don't know, Did you? Have you, you haven't seen this yet have you? The no, teaser? I haven't no. seen the trailer, no. Definitely worth a watch um, if you haven't seen it yet. David, for our second piece of news, uh, Scarlett Johansson has apparently scored a huge payday for um, the Black Widow film. Uh, so Scarlett Johansson will reportedly earn $15 million for her title role in the Marvel Studios' long-awaited Black Widow film. Um, she was actually the highest paid actress of 2018, earning £40 million between June 2017 and June 2018. Uh, to put that into perspective... Um, she is going to earn in that one film the combined wage of Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth uh, for their roles in Avengers Affinity War. And uh, for our third piece of news, Johnny Depp has addressed the Fantastic Beasts casting controversy uh, by speaking to Entertainment Weekly. Uh, he uh, addressed what was uh, many people's complaints about him being cast in the film. Uh, he broke his silence by saying that uh, he'll be honest with you. He felt bad for J.K. Rowling having to field all the various feelings from people out there. Depp goes on to say, I felt bad that she had to take had to take that but ultimately there is a real there is real controversy the fact remains i was falsely accused which is why i'm suing the sun newspaper for defamination for reporting false accusations jk has seen the evidence and therefore knows i was falsely accused and that's why she has publicly supported me she doesn't take things lightly she would not stand up if she didn't know the truth so that's that's it really um so that's quite an interesting um article actually because it, it it was rumoured that the mm. things that he was falsely uh, accused of was actually true, um, but it seems like there is evidence that supports the fact that he is he was falsely accused and is obviously suing the Sun. So, um, yeah, well, in, he yeah. can join the long list of people who have sued the Sun for defamation of character. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, until anything is proven, um, I think business should carry on as normal. And I mean, the Sun really isn't fit for anything other than being used to wipe your bottom or put <laughs> on a fire. Um, anyway, he's swiftly, swiftly moving on. So Ryan Coogler is officially writing and directing a Black Panther sequel. Uh, he's taken his time uh, in making this deal and uh, 
looking ahead, uh, you know, they're aiming to write the script next year with a production potentially picking up in sort of late 2019 or early 2020. So potentially uh, Black Panther 2 would be released in 2021. The first film was a fantastic success and a really important piece of, of cinema, actually. So I eagerly await the 2021 uh, sequel. And in other news, an overdue library book has been returned after 84 years. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. So it's now time for our review of The Hate You Give. Uh, And this is a film that focuses on the life of teenage girl star who is superbly played by Amanda Stenberg. Um, She really is living a double life. Um, She lives in a very poor and mostly black neighbourhood. However, she attends a quite rich and mostly white uh, prep school. And this really does lead to her having almost a, a, a split personality, a double personality. She's two people and she's confused of re- really of who she is. And her her life takes a turn for the worst when she tragically witnesses the murder of her uh, lifelong breast friend, uh, Khalil, uh, who is shot um, by a police officer. And she really is then split between what does she do? Does does she tell people about what she's seen? What what will her neighbourhood think? What will her, you know, school think? And it's it's a film about what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and it's a film that challenges us um, about the racial tension in America. It's a film that challenges us about the way police officers act. And it's also a film that challenges how does our upbringing affect our future actions? And I think that's fantastically summarised in this clip here. Trying to make some sense out of it. It's thug life. The hate you give little infants. F's everybody. I know what it stands for. What do you think it means? I think it's about us. Us who? Black people. Poor people, everybody at the bottom. Right, you want it? Pac was trying to school us on how the system's designed against us. Why else you think so many people in our neighborhood deal? They need the money. Yeah. And they know real jobs around here. So they fall into the trap. So... First of all, this film was set up as a Cineworld uh, secret screening uh, for unlimited cardholders. And we went in obviously not knowing what film was going to be shown. Um, But as soon as the BBFC uh, card came up with the rating on it for The Hate You Give, loads of people went, oh, and then stood up and and, and walked out, which I'm highly, highly disappointed that people do that. First of all, it's a secret screening. You go Mm. to these in the knowledge that it might not be a film that you're expecting to see. Second of all, these films usually broaden your horizons and take you to a film that you're never necessarily going to pick yourself, um, unless you're us and you go and see all the films. (laughs) Um, And and I was very disappointed in the fact that people got up and left, well, as soon as that that rating card Mm. came up. But then people sat there and watched it for about... 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes and, and got up and left. And I, I'm highly disappointed that people did that because mm. I thought this film was fantastic. Yes, it was a bit of a shaky middle, mm. uh, maybe the first 30 minutes. Mm. The beginning was was very incredible. impactful and incredible. But 
but the bit a bit shaky at the 30 minutes in and then it really picks up and it really throws you into to, into the a poignant situation that's going on in America at the minute and 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 racial hatred towards um black people who come from that neighborhood and and you know classing them as as second class citizens almost and it's a very important film and and a very well made one as well yeah craig's absolutely spot on um the opening scene in this film is incredible it's basically star's father um sitting the whole family down so it's the 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 father uh, the mother and the three children and he's giving a talk about what it's like to be uh, a black person in America and what what to do if if you're pulled over by the police and he gets them to put their hands on the table like they put their hands on the dashboard of a car and it's powerful i was immediately gripped i thought as an opening it's one of the best openings to any film i've seen this year the next 30 minutes is disappointing it's too long the film tries to show us the contrast between the black neighborhood and the white prep school could have been done in 5 minutes not 30 the real crux of the film is when this innocent um, black man is shot by the police. I think they could have got to that sooner, but once they got there, it was powerful. It was an emotional film. It was poignant. It it was hard-hitting. There was also some brilliant humour in there. And, you know, people must understand that cinema is about challenging your... Um, you know your your views on things about about embracing things that perhaps you wouldn't normally see and it was disappointing to see people walk out and more fool them in my opinion because i think they've missed a fantastic film yep. you know it's it's not a um it's not a flawless film uh, there certainly are problems with it um the, the it's a little bit cliche in 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 the ending it sort of gives us an ending that perhaps the film didn't need um it, but it is an adaption of a novel but it is an adaption yeah. of a novel um whereas for example, uh, Black Klansman gave us a much more hard-hitting and powerful ending. I would just like to say that Amanda Stenberg is incredible in this film. Oh, yeah. Um, we also saw her in another film. Darkest Minds. Uh, Darkest Minds, where, again, the film was very disappointing, but she was brilliant. I think this is an, an actress that we really should be looking out for. I think um, she's going to be nominated for awards in the future. She, she may be nominated for some awards for this. I thought it was a very powerful performance, a very powerful film. And... You know, th this is happening. Like, th this is what people seem to n not understand. You know, when they, when they watch films like you know Black Klansman, and this is happening now. You know, black people are being shot by white police now, and you know this film is important. And you know, it's it's not comfortable to watch, and that's the point because mm. it's a very difficult subject. Um, like I said, as an overall piece, that it has its flaws, but uh, I thought it was very powerful, very emotional, and uh, I I really really uh, enjoyed it for for a majority of the time. So, David, the hate you give is it worth it? Yes, um, it is worth it. And speaking to a lot of people who stuck with it in the secret screening, uh, agree with with us on that. It's it's a film that is worth seeing, and it's an emotional film, and one that I would personally recommend. Yep, I agree with everything you just said there. It is definitely worth it. Um, go and see it when it comes out. Isn't it nice when we agree? Oh, yes. <laughs> right, so it is now time to review our next film, which is Bad Times at the El Royale. Um... 
want to kick off by saying this film has a uh, superb cast, um, including Jeff Bridges, amongst many others. And it's it's a really interesting and unique film. Uh, and it, it focuses on, uh, as the title would suggest, uh, the El Royale Hotel. Uh, now, this is a rundown hotel that literally sits on the border of California and Nevada. And the, the, the border runs right through the middle of the hotel. And as guests arrive, they have a choice. Do they want to stay in California or do they want to stay in Nevada? And because of state laws in America, there's different activities and some things are prohibited on one side and, and not on the other. And what we have here is seven strangers arriving at this hotel, including a Catholic priest, uh, a soul singer. We've got a traveling Hoover salesman, um, uh, the, 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 the boy that actually or the young man that actually works in the hotel. Uh, and then a few other characters who also arrive in the film. It's really a film about these characters and what happens on this one um, very, very eventful night. Um, the film has a very Tarantino-esque feel. Uh, it also has a very uh, Wesley Anderson feel to it um, in the way that it's broken down into each character's individual story and slowly it unfolds and becomes more and more chaotic but also at the same time quite enjoyable. Uh, here's a little clip uh, from the film which will give you a taster of some of the characters. The lady's got a hotter hand than we do, Father. I am very sorry to keep you waiting. <clears throat> Damn, boy, where you been? Waiting in this lobby so long I could use a shave. What's wrong with you? I'm very sorry. <clears throat> what are you doing here, Father? Do I know you, son? No, but I mean, this is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> we might need to work on your sales pitch, son. <laughs> the El Royale, no place for a priest. <laughs> there are other hotels, Father. Maybe closer to Tahoe, I could help you find one. I'm sure you would be happier there. Uh, Miles, is it? If this is not a place for a priest, Miles then this is exactly where the Lord wants me. So straight off the bat, I'm going to say that I really, really loved this film. It's very different to what we've seen recently. It's it's a thriller. It's very Tarantino-esque, as you've already said. It's As you said, it's Wes, Wes Anderson style in the way that the characters are broken down and the story unfolds. It misleads you at every corner. Um, you really don't get an understanding of what really is happening until mm. the very end. And the, and the ending is so satisfying. Mm. The build-up can and is somewhat slow. Mm. Some people may find it a bit boring, but I, I found myself not getting lost or not getting bored. It, it kept my attention throughout the entire film, but I do think as, as, it, as it runs at about 2 hours 40, some people might find that a bit too long. Mm. However, it is, it is a very unique and, and, and brilliant film. And, and as you said, the, the actors and actresses that are in this film, so yeah, you've got, Jeff Bridges, you've got Cynthia Ervio, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Lewis Pullman. There's a, a fantastic cast within this film that mm. really, really highlight how actors can actually raise the film up as well. Mm. I mean, without Jeff Bridges in this film, it 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 just wouldn't have worked so well. Mm. I think his character as the priest and and the priest that is losing his his memory. Mm. 
was played so beautifully well. I mean, his emotional elements within the film really had me going at one mm. point. And, and yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. Exactly the same. So for me, yeah, Jeff Bridges is fantastic. And also Lewis Pullman, who plays Miles Miller, who's the young man who's actually in charge of running the hotel. Th- these two give brilliant performances and everyone else around them also chips in with some pretty solid acting, in- including uh, John Hamm. And it was sort of weird actually seeing him on the big screen, you know, having sort of grown to know him in Mad Men and, and watching that at home. Mm. It was sort of very weird to see such a large ham um, <laughs> on the screen, uh, if you know what I mean, um, and out of his usual role. But no, Jeff Bridges was superb. And do you know what? I I was very close to tears um, in this film. I had a real, real lump in my throat, more, more so than any other film apart from perhaps Three Billboards. And that is because of the, the fantastic... Um, plot development but also the brilliant acting like I said I do agree with you that the start you know you could be cutting 20 minutes out of it um, but what I also like about this film is not only the humour but it's a real edge of your seat yeah. so every single character in this film is like fundamentally unhinged and unstable and they've all come together and you're watching it thinking I don't know what's going to happen next and there's a few moments where you jump out well I certainly did jumped out of my seat because things happen suddenly and you're thinking who's who's going to be injured next what's going to happen next what the hell's going on but it's all very satisfying and it's it it could be a mess but it isn't because the acting is so good and mm. just as it starts to get silly it's reined back in with uh, Jeff Bridges um and, and and others with their brilliant acting we have to say Chris Hemsworth does make an appearance in this <laughs> film as well and wow what an extraordinary Body. change you can, say, yeah, you can say body if you yeah. want, but it's, it's, it, what an extraordinary change of character that we see in this film. It's something mm. I've not seen him portray on, on screen before and and well done, really it's well done. It's a very creepy, um, slightly uneasy character to watch. Yeah. Very slippery, like like some sort of eel. Um, <laughs> he's, he's just horrible. Um, still chiseled, a specimen of a man, but... His character is the sort of bloke you'd like to thump in the skull. Um, <laughs> Numerous times, yeah. Um, but overall, for me, uh, a very unique piece. And a lot of people came out of the film saying, oh, that felt like a Tarantino. Oh, that was like the Grand Budapest Hotel meets Pulp Fiction. You know, it, it was that kind of film. Um, and I, I believe, um, I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Mr. Fields. Bad times at the El Royale. Is it worth it? Yes. Simply put, yes, it is worth it. For all the reasons I've just given, yes, it's worth it. Go and see it. Is it worth it? Should I stream it? Yes, welcome to our new segment, which is, is it worth it? Should I stream it? Uh, This is the part of the show where myself... David and James take a look at three different films or maybe more uh, from the online streaming services. I'm going to be bringing you films from Amazon, David from Now TV slash Sky Movies and James from Netflix. I'm going to kick this off uh, by going straight in with I, which is now available on Amazon Prime streaming services. And uh, if you want to listen to our full review, it is on one of the earlier episodes that we have done. 
Um, but the actual film that I want to put forward is Moon. This is directed by Duncan Jones, and it sees astronaut Sam Bell after a three-year shift at the lunar mine. He is finally coming to an end, and he's looking forward to his reunion with his wife. Um, and lots of things tend to unfold in this film. Um, he suffers with some ill health, um, lots of... Uh, hallucinations and headaches and there's a strange mystery to solve. Um, this comes uh, from inspiration from 2001 A Space Odyssey and and I really, really love this film. The soundtrack is equally impressive as well and I highly, highly recommend it. David, what's your film? So the film I'm going to recommend is available on Sky Movies and Now TV and it is Black Panther. Um as a standalone film, it's fantastic. Within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's also incredibly impressive. Uh, I think it's an important film, um, mostly uh, or one of the main reasons because of the all-black cast. There was a huge amount of talk about that, uh, and rightly so. But hopefully, you know, in 5, 10, 20 years, or, or if not sooner, we'll look back and say, what was all the fuss about? You know, there was a huge amount of talk about it being an all-black cast, and I think we should embrace that and... Um, be positive about that but hopefully in the future that's something that you know won't even be discussed some brilliant performances uh, a very well made film um, and it's available on Now TV and if you're a Marvel fan I imagine you've seen it but if you're not a Marvel fan and you want to get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe Black Panther is a fantastic way to start so the film I'm recommending is called Lark Father which is now available on Netflix so this is a film about a young advertising executive called Rachel who's played by Christian Bell she gets dumped at the altar on her wedding day because she's too much of a workaholic. She's even on the phone to her colleague before walking down the aisle. She then gets on a Caribbean honeymoon cruise with the last person she ever expected to, uh, her strange father, played by Kelsey Grammer. They start the trip as strangers, but they slowly gain a new appreciation for each other as well as their lives in general. So uh, Christian Bell is on top form in, in this film, I think. She's really funny. But she's also like a good example of how we're all addicted to our phones these days. Uh, it's not just her that's good, though. There's a lot of lovable side characters who you grow to like by the end of the film. Uh, Seth Rogen makes a good appearance in this. Um, he's really different from his days in like Knocked Up and Pineapple Express. He's lost a lot of weight and he plays a, a, quite a different character. But he's, he's kind of similar in, in a way. He's funny, but he's, um, he's really slim and good looking. So I quite... <laughs> <laughs> Where you watched this somewhere, didn't you? Where did you watch this? Yeah, I was on a plane um, on the way back from a holiday, so it's actually a good film for that sort of journey because it's easy to watch, easy to follow. Um, the only criticism of it is it's very predictable in terms of the plot. Um, so they start off uh, in like a kind of hate relationship, like she does, they don't like each other, dad and daughter, but they um, slowly rebuild the relationship, so that's quite predictable. And some of the jokes are quite kind of because they're on the honeymoon and their father and daughter, so they make some jokes about that. Um, but I didn't mind it because it's a nice, easy film to watch on a commute. Um, so in summary, it is worth it. It's not a perfect film, but it's a really feel-good film. Thanks very much for that, James. So that brings us to the end of our new feature, Is It Worth It? Should I Stream It? Uh, great to have James on the show and, and give us a review. And that's what this podcast is all about, getting people excited about film, talking about film and seeing film. So if you've seen a film recently uh, and you'd like to give us a, your opinion, please do tweet us 
or email us or if not even better why not send us a short video or a short audio clip of a film review you know 25 30 seconds nice and quick um, and we'll include it in the show so if you want to be part of the show do uh, get in contact either via um writing or or actual audio you know if you want to be on the show then give us a review and we will most certainly play it yeah the best way of probably doing this is just sending us a video clip via facebook on on your messenger app um you can do that or you can uh, just email the show and the email address to get in contact with us with is david it is my mail is worth it at gmail.com and the reason craig <laughs> puts that on me every week is because i always get it wrong um, you got but, it right but it is definitely my mail is worth it at gmail So please do give us your opinions. And uh, that brings us to the end of that segment. So it's now time for our next review, which is Smallfoot. Uh, This is a film that I saw only a few hours ago in a uh, family-packed screen three at Cineworld Hemel Hempstead. Uh, And that really does reflect this film because it is uh, an animated adventure uh, for all ages. Um, There's a couple of musical numbers in there as well. uh, And an all-star cast, uh, including Channing Tatum, James Corden, Zendaya, LeBron James and Danny DeVito. Uh, And it focuses on a Yeti community that live on the top of a very, very high mountain that's completely... uh, covered in clouds well actually they're above the clouds so from their perspective all they can see is the clouds below them um and the yeti community is uh, thrown upside down when everything they know and everything they believe uh, is questioned when channing tatum's uh, character uh, migo or migo i can't quite remember how to uh, <laughs> announce it but it's one of the two um comes across a small foot, a human being whose plane crashes um, into their mountain uh, and he's amazed at uh, at just how small this uh, human is and how small his feet are. Um, he runs back to his Yeti community and tells them that the small foot does exist. Everyone is completely panicked by this idea and he's like, come with me, come and see the small foot. But unfortunately, the plane that has crashed uh, has been removed from the mountain via an avalanche and... Therefore, everyone in the Yeti community believes he's gone mad and he is banished from the Yeti community because it, it he has gone against the uh, values of the Yetis, which are um, set in stone, quite literally written on small pieces of stone. And it's then his mission to go and find a small foot um, and bring it back to the Yeti community to prove that he is right. Um, I thought this was... Um, an entertaining film. Um, some of the musical numbers felt unnecessary, uh, and they were very cliched. They were they were they felt like the kind of songs that had been written in an hour uh, to me, like really sort of high school musical generic rubbish. Uh, I don't think the musical numbers added anything to this film. Um, the animation is good. Uh, the the plot is good. It develops uh, nicely. There's a few twists. Um, there's some laughs in here. And the reason it's a good film for families is because there's a lot of humour that's suitable for children that I didn't find particularly funny, but the, the youngsters around me really did. Uh, and they expressed that by laughing out loud. And then there's actually a really interesting moral message in this film about... Um, integration, about community, about uh, the consequences of actions, about uh, identity, um, 
and all of this will go over the children's heads. But for me as an adult, um, I liked the idea of these two separate communities. The, the, the small foot sees Bigfoot as, as the beast, as the enemy and Bigfoot sees small foot as the beast and the enemy. And you can see that in a lot of modern day societies where communities you have different communities different countries and they they don't like each other whereas actually if they realize that both sides are are not actually that bad um an enjoyable film uh, and one that i would recommend you've basically took the words out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> however i will disagree with you on one part that you said and it's the music i i thought some of the songs were really catchy and and really entertaining actually and 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 I really enjoyed that element of the film. It it has a bit of everything in it mm. that I uh, that, that worked and 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 it worked really well as a as a entire piece. Um, there wasn't certain elements that didn't completely fall flat. I mean, there were some bits where, as you said, it will go over the kids' heads. But but that's good because it's got something for the adults. Then mm. that that well, it won't go over the heads. And and the humour is is spot on for this sort of film. Um, it's better than some of the other kids' films that we've seen recently. Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to do very, very well, and I hope it will. Vastly superior to uh, Hotel Transylvania 3. Obviously much better than Lewis and the Aliens, which is a uh, pretty shambolic film. Um, in terms of the music, look, the the, the music did get better. Um, I think there's three or four songs in this film, and, and two of them were, were quite catchy. It was the first musical number, for me, didn't work at all. Um, it did grow on me, uh, but overall, I think an an interesting concept and a film, a kids' film that has a real moral, political, social message is the sort of thing that I absolutely love. So, um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, and our friend James Corden was uh, uh, in this again, and he, we, I mean, we've criticised him uh, for his role in Peter Rabbit and his sort of consistency in being James Corden, yeah, and. He was James Corden again, but it worked. It was. I think he had a good script to work mm. with, and he didn't go out of out of his way to be especially James Corden. Yeah. It was still James Corden, but done in a in a in yeah. a good way. It, it played to his mm. his abilities to his strengths, and, yeah. and to his strengths. Like yeah. like I've said in the past, you know, James Corden is a talented comedian, and he's now very big in the states. So film uh, producers are keen to get James Corden in in films for for the purpose of having his name there. And in other films, particularly Peter Rabbit, it just didn't work. Whereas this, he was well cast. And like you said, he had a script that was um, good to work with. And overall, uh, a very satisfying uh, family adventure. Uh, I think people will know uh, the answer, but I will ask you the question nonetheless. Craig, Smallfoot, is it worth it? Yes, it's really, really worth it. And and I actually uh, I think that this is a better film to take your kids to than Johnny English, to be honest, but it, it will be dependent on their age, I think. But, mm. but I think it's a more inclusive family film. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, the weather's starting to turn, the nights are drawing in, uh, and it's a great time to go to the cinema as a family. Uh, small foot, definitely for sort of, you know, children of two, three to about 10, 11. And then I think Johnny English for sort of 10 to 15 year olds. But, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of adult themes in here and it really is an enjoyable family film. Go and see Small Foot in your local cinema world.
From the 1st of October, Starbucks, located within Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead, will be opening its doors from 8am. So if you like a cup of the dark roast as much as I do... Or a croissant... Why not head down to Starbucks, located in Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead? Please drink caffeine responsibly. So we're on our final film review of week 22, and it is Night School. This film stars Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish, and it sees Kevin Hart's character, Teddy Walker, uh, as, a, as a successful salesman um, whose life turns takes a rather unexpected turn when his place of employment is accidentally blown up by himself. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't seen this, have you? No, no I haven't. <laughs> this is no. the first time you're hearing I'm, I'm, about this. Uh, 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 wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Teddy is now forced to go back to school or back to night school to try and get his GED, which is the equivalent to our GCSEs here in the UK. However, he finds himself going up against uh, a misfit, uh, misfit bunch of students, uh, his former high school uh, nemesis, who is now the head teacher of the school, and a feisty teacher who's uh, who's not. Who, who finds him rather not clever, basically. So let's go and listen to the clip and then I can completely roast this film. <laughs> my suspicions were right and you, my friend, are dyslexic. That's what I got. I knew it. Now that you say it, it makes sense. You also have a processing disorder. I got a touch of prostate cancer. She didn't touch my ass one time. I said processing disorder. I'm not processing it. I didn't process none of that. You are just one big, beautiful, mixed drink of learning disabilities. Okay. So how do we fix it? Let's talk solution. Well, there's no cure for what you have. Oh my God. I got learning herpes? There is no such thing as learning herpes. I'm blistering up. It's because I'm trying to fix So that clip actually wasn't the full thing that I wanted to get. It's not available, the full thing. Um, but before uh, she tells him that he's got learning disabilities, she actually tells him that he is dumb. So she actually goes in and gives, says to him, you're, you're clinically dumb, basically. And then, and then says, and then goes in to give him these actual results. And this is the part of the film where it could have turned everything around and could have given us a bit more of a hard-hitting part to, to a comedy where you learn that actually he has got these learning disabilities and he's going to work hard to try mm. and overcome them. However, the jokes make it really disappointing because it, you wanted that hard-hitting bit. But it's just joke after joke after joke in this film and to the point where it really does feel like they're making fun of people who have uh, learning disabilities. And and that really upset me to some extent because it it, it could have still had the comedy element but actually made something of it and it just didn't do that for me um so i, I haven't seen this film um and that's the first time i've i've heard a clip from it and parts of it made me chuckle but also cringe like oh oh did they just say that because you know they're, they're like craig said and i remember when he came out of the cinema and said he was very disappointed with this film and it had a chance to to have a serious impact and that's what successful uh, comedies uh, and rom-coms as well can do. You can have that really funny uh, element to a film and then you can change the film by having a hard-hitting um, message as well. And that tends to hit harder in the contrast to the comedy. And like you said, they seem to have had that opportunity there. And as soon as you're in the realms of learning disabilities and stuff like that and making a joke of it, there's a very fine line between comedy and just being out of order. Um, and, if, and if it doesn't, remain funny and just starts to be out of order then you've got a um 
you've got a problem. And, you know, dyslexia, for example, some of the greatest minds of all time were dyslexic. And people often confuse intelligence with dyslexia. It's got absolutely no correlation whatsoever. Um, And having not even seen this film, the one thing I want to say is I'm getting slightly annoyed with the amount of films and the amount of things that uh, Kevin Hart is doing. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he is an incredible comedian. Some of his older stuff, original stuff, is hilarious. And he is he is funny. Yeah. But he's everywhere now. You know, you go on Netflix, he's got Kevin Hart, this stand-up, Kevin Hart, that stand-up, Kevin Hart behind the scenes, Kevin Hart, you know, in beds, 12 hours of Kevin Hart. You know, it's just like too much. Mm. You know, and, and I think, has this man you know, sold himself out a little bit in the sense that he's not interested in the quality of his work anymore. It's all about quantity, 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 money in the bank. And in some ways, fair play to him. You know, you got to do what you got to do. you got to provide for your family. And, and if, if people are offering you money, you know, most people would take it. But the point I'm trying to make is I think Kevin Hart is a brilliant comedian and I'm, I've been disappointed with some of the films he's been in recently. And it sounds like this was also disappointing. Yeah, it, w- it was very disappointing. I mean, it, there were some scenes within the film that just went on far too long as well. Mm. Um, there was a particular scene that I recall where he is introducing himself to the rest of the class and the, and, and the rest of the class are introducing themselves as well. And it went on for at least five to ten minutes. It just dragged and mm. and a lot of the film felt like it was dragging as well. Uh, the humour was so forced in the film um, and I hate comedies that force the humour on you like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just really wasn't impressed and and I did go to a screening that had a fair few people in it and, and the laughs didn't help either. And you know when a film is doing badly, when the laughs in the film, even they are not helping you to, to enjoy mm. the film. Um, it just made me cringe a lot of times and I wish they just took that approach where they had that little bit of hard hitting mm. to contrast the comedy, like you said, just just to give it that edge over other films that are just purely comedies. Mm. It, it would have just made it for a much better film. Before I ask you the question, I just want to say a little bit about, you know, the Rotten Tomato statistics. Audience score 49%, not great, uh, and 28% from the critics. So it's, it's a film that hasn't really... Uh, received uh, many good reviews uh, and you yourself have given it a fairly bad review. Mm. Uh, And I will ask you the question, Mr. Craig Fields, night school, is it worth it? No, I I really don't think it's worth it, especially now that you've got some better films that are out in cinema. Even if they're not comedies, they're better to go and see than this film. And really, I think I would actually like to have the trumpet out on this one. Mm. We haven't got it up because I just didn't think of, putting the trumpet up but I think it is, it is worth it of the trumpet yep thank you <laughs> there you go there's a trumpet DVD DVD is it worth it DVDs so for DVDs, um, I'm going to recommend something that I actually haven't seen, <laughs> which sounds a bit bizarre, really. But uh, the reason I'm going to recommend it is because uh, the reviews were spectacular for it. And unfortunately, David and I weren't able to see this film um, due to the fact that it wasn't wasn't widely released. And I really regretted not being able to see it. And I really, really wanted to. Uh, so it's The Happy Prince. It's written and directed by and starring Rupert Everett. And it's about Oscar Wilde. It's a biopic about Oscar Wilde. And 
yeah, it, it got so much praise. I'm going to watch this. Um, it's out on October the 15th. Uh, and then I will be able to maybe mention it on our next DVD segment uh, on the following week, just to let you know 100% whether it's worth it. But I, I can clearly ascertain already that it's going to be. So, yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> DVD, DVD. Is it worth it? DVDs. Thank you very much for listening to week 22 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And thank you very much for everybody who got in contact with us. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the show on mymanisworthit at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, we do have some other emails and comments that we're going to read out. So we will jump straight into that. Um, following on from an email that we had recently, um, we've got an email that says, a friend happened to mention your podcast after a discussion about another online film reviewer, who I found to be very biased, never gives honest reviews because he says he knows how hard it is to make films and doesn't want to make negative remarks. So far, I found you two have a good equilibrium. Now, that is some great feedback to have, mm. and I really love that because we do try to be as honest as we possibly can. And I know I know personally how hard it is to make films and, and content for the web or whatever it is. And it is hard to take criticism. But that being said, we as an industry have to be honest about the things that we're seeing. And the whole point of this podcast is to let you know whether it's worth it or not. Mm. And and honesty is the best policy when it comes to it. Now, we can be slightly harsh on some films sometimes, mm. but you have to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying to Craig when we were off air that, you know, anybody who gets a film on, on DVD or, or streaming service or particularly in the cinema should be proud of what they've done. But the truth is, people do make bad films. You know, I don't enjoy sitting here saying that actor was terrible, that director was terrible. But the truth is, is that, people do make bad films you know for example clint eastwood he has made some sensational films mm -hmm. but he's also made some absolute turkeys so the best can make bad films and we both know how hard it is to, to to be successful in this industry but we do try to be honest because we want our listeners to know what is worth seeing yeah um you have some other comments as well don't you yeah so uh thanks very much to chris hodges casper harris and alex meek who uh, messaged me during the show uh chris said saw bad night El royale yesterday and venom last week both enjoyable uh casper harris said venom last week awesome movie really enjoyed it as a comic fan it wasn't 100 percent perfect but then again most aren't so he quite enjoyed um venom and alex meek said venom and johnny english flaws for sure but both watchable better than most critics have suggested uh, so thanks very much to those three gentlemen for their uh messages on facebook um i have a message from allison that came from instagram and this is about a star is born she said Brilliant. Saw this yesterday and begun blubbering at the first duet. Watched the 1976 version this morning and loved to note the little references in the film uh, from the Streisand version. Bradley Cooper was brilliant. Who knew he could sing? And his backstory was a vast improvement over the 76 version, which had no reason for Christopherson's addictions. Streisand's voice will never be topped, but Lady Gaga was, as always, stunning. Loved, loved, loved. And I think that's a great little uh, review of the film there. Um, and I, I'd love to draw upon your, your uh, comparison with the 76 version because I recently watched that as well 
and you struggled i did i really struggled to get into it first of all um i hated christopherson's version um <laughs> first no, honestly i really didn't we actually had... just spoke about criticism damn you christopherson <laughs> no but I, no honestly he's his um interpretation of a similar character. It's not the same character. Jackson Maine is Bradley Cooper's interpretation of a famous singer. Um, with addiction. With addiction. Um, Bradley Cooper's version had a much more well-rounded character arc. He had reasons to have these addictions and they go into details about mm. it, which make for a much better movie. Christopherson, he just had an alcohol addiction and was rather horrible, I thought, throughout the entire mm. film. And, and there was just no reason for him to be that way. It wasn't explained or expanded. Um, Streisand's voice, I agree, she has got a phenomenal voice and it was beautifully sung during some of the film, but actually was ruined by Christopherson's performance during some of the scenes where he was talking over the top of her singing. Mm. It was like, well, I want to hear her sing. Yeah. And... And I, I really did struggle to get into the 76 mm. version. And um, yeah, Star is Born, Bradley Cooper's uh, version is stunning. And yeah. and it is my film, number one film of the year so far, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I, I can't wait to see it again. And I am going to see it again. I've seen it three times. Going to see yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I desperately want to see A Star is Born again. And I also want to see Fir First Man again. Uh, and I think in the box office rundown next week, when we see where it is, uh, we might go into a little bit more detail of some of the things that we perhaps didn't mention in our review. But as always, thank you so much for contacting us. And like I said, I'd love to encourage our viewers, but uh, our viewers, good Lord, <laughs> <clears throat> I would love to encourage our listeners to, to get in contact with us, particularly with audio clips, you know, 25, 30 second clips of, of films you've seen and what you thought of them. We'd love to include those in the show. It'd be great to have sort of three or four of those that we could put sort of back to back. And if you're the gaming bear, we would love to hear your voice because Craig is convinced that it would just be a low growl. Um, <laughs> just, you know, Gaming Bear sent us a good film. But um, no, please do send us audio clips. We'd love to put them on the show. Um, and that is week 22. Craig, what do we have on week 23? We have a film at the top of the list that I know you are bursting and can't wait to see yeah uh, so week 23 we haven't confirmed the lineup completely but we're going to be bringing you reviews of <laughs> get my words out there Bohemian Rhapsody Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween Halloween 2 the sequel and uh, Funny Girl as well uh, this is subject to change as always but we are looking forward to bringing you the reviews of those films I have seen Goosebumps 2 already and uh, can say one thing about it Jack Black is in it oh can we have a, a preview did you enjoy it? Yes. Ooh. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I will surely endeavour to see it before week 23. As always, thank you very much for listening. Have a fantastic week. Uh, we hope you enjoy the films that you go and see, and we will speak to you very, very soon. <laughs>